Hey, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? You doing good? You in a good mood? All right, I am. I'm glad to be here. It's been a while. It feels good to, to be back. I'm really grateful that the church allows me to take some time for vacation, a little extra time to study and prepare for uh, this next season of ministry. And uh, so I'm recharged and I'm ready to go. And, and I'm really grateful to Don and John and Andy and, and Brandon. I thought they did just a great job uh, teaching on the weekends. Yeah, let's show them some pre- appreciation. So today we're kicking off this new series, and we think this series is going to be very impactful for our church and for each of our uh, lives, but uh, it's been a while since I've uh, been up here, and a lot's changed in my life. Uh, Yeah, here's a picture of my family, and our youngest is right there. His name's Ryan. He graduated high school. We just dropped him off at college in Minnesota, and so we've got an empty nest, but that's not all that's changed. Here's what Ryan uh, tweeted. I don't know if you can see this here. He posted, he said, uh, I've been at college for two weeks, and so far my parents have sold house, moved, uh, given cat away, <laughs> uh, bought a new car, it's a used car, bought a new car, and uh, he says, they're living it up more than, more than me, and uh, we have been uh, living it up, and uh, we, did, we did give our cat away to the uh, medical college uh, for uh, research, and I'm kidding. <laughs> We gave it to a cat lover, and, uh, and so, so that's all good. And uh, we're living it up as uh, empty uh, nesters. I'll never forget uh, 19 years ago when Ryan uh, moved into our nest, came into our nest and was born. It was a Saturday morning, very early. Marnie wakes me up and says, it's time. The baby's coming today, which was a big surprise because our first two kids came late, and Ryan came a couple weeks early. And it was a surprise that day because I had a wedding. Uh, later that morning, and I didn't have a backup plan, so I put my suit on and uh, took Marnie over to the hospital, dropped her off, you know, see you later, good luck. <laughs> Went over to New Berlin and uh, pronounced them husband and wife, and uh, dashed back over to the uh, hospital here in Waukesha. Fortunately, I didn't, I didn't miss anything. Uh, uh, Ryan was born a few hours uh, later, but since he came early, we didn't have a name picked out. We were planning to do that over the weekend. And so we're in the, you know, the hospital room. we got the baby name books. You've seen these things. And we are brainstorming, trying to think of a name, but we can't agree on one. Here's what the nurse said. She said, take the baby home, call us in a week, give us the name, and uh, we'll put it on the uh, birth certificate. I didn't know you could do that. So we took him home. And I'll tell you, it is really weird having a human being in your house that doesn't have a name. Called him the boy, you know, the baby, until we landed on Ryan, which is a, a family uh, name. Those of you that have kids, how'd you pick the name for your child? You know, maybe you went with a family name. Maybe you're a, you know, a church person. You went with a Bible name. Maybe you went with a name just because you liked the way that it, it sounded. Maybe you went with a celebrity uh, name. Maybe you went with one of the popular uh, names. Uh, for example, Emma and Sophia for a girl, uh, Jackson and Lucas for a boy. Those are the most popular boy and girl names for, for 2016. Some people go with popular names, but some people do the opposite, and they go with a unique name. I came across a study of actual baby names for boys and girls uh, in New York City over a 10-year period. And I want to show a few of these uh, interesting names, unique names uh, to you. Here's some of the boy names. Somebody named their child Amen. Probably a pastor, right? Somebody else named their, named their boy Godly. No pressure there. I like this one. Hey, be easy to call him for dinner. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. And then here's some girl uh, names. Can you, can you believe that? Somebody, I, I don't know why they would name their daughter uh, Sin. 
and then somebody else named their daughter Unique. And uh, I, I read that there were actually 15 other girls uh, named uh, Unique uh, during uh, one year of the uh, study, which is kind of uh, ironic. I also found that 50% uh, of the parents surveyed in that study, they said that for a million dollars, they would have legally named their child stupid. And you believe that? And uh, then I got to thinking of that. What if you had that in your driver's license, in your wallet, and uh, somebody said, why are you stupid? And you go, well, actually, you know. Uh, but here's my point. Back in Bible times, nobody would have named their child stupid because they picked a name based on the meaning. They understood the power of a name. Today, I want to tell you a story about an amazing guy by the name of Abraham, as we begin this new series called Life on Mission. And if you've ever wondered, you know, what is God's plan? What is God's mission for my life? I think this series is really going to help you out. Now, you may not know this, but after Jesus, Abraham is, is probably the second most influential person in all of history. He is considered a key figure in the Jewish, Muslim, and Christian faiths. But Abraham wasn't his original name. Anybody know his original name? Abram, Abram. Back in the uh, ancient Middle East, they would pick a name for a child uh, for one of two reasons. Sometimes they would pick a name that was descriptive. Uh, for example, the uh, twins Jacob and Esau. Jacob literally means heel grabber because when he came out of the womb, he's grabbing the heel of Esau, his twin brother. Esau means hairy, and so obviously Esau was a hairy baby. So a name could be descriptive or a name could be uh, predictive. A name was like a snapshot of the child's future, of the child's destiny, a statement of intention of who the parents hoped that child would become. So Abraham was originally named Abram, and the name Abram means exalted father. Not a bad name, except for the fact that Abram and his wife Sarah didn't have any children. Abram lived most of his life, and his name never came true, which had to be tough because that was probably the first thing people asked about when they were introduced to him. Here's, you know, here's Abram, uh, my friend, exalted father, and what would people say? They would say, tell me about your children, which probably created a very awkward moment. But don't feel too bad for Abram. Abram. Even though his name was a painful reminder of what he didn't have, uh, he lived a very comfortable and wealthy life. And then Abram had a couple I see in you moments with God that not only changed his name, it changed his life and gave him, gave him direction and mission. Today, as we go through Abram's story and as we launch this new series, I want you to see what are the four most important letters in the alphabet. If you're a manager, if you're a spouse, if you're a parent, if you're somebody's friend, if you're somebody's child, I think that includes everybody here. These are the four most powerful letters in the alphabet right here. I see in you. Many people, probably many of you here, can point to a key moment in your life when somebody said to you, I see in you. I see in you a great artist. I see in you a great athlete. I see in you a great leader. I see in you a great friend. I see in you someone who could do whatever you set your mind uh, to do. I feel so grateful and just blessed that I grew up in a home with a mom and a dad who believed in me and consistently communicated to me that whatever you set your mind to do, uh, you, can, you can do it. They, they believed in me, and I believed them. 
and it has helped me throughout my life. When somebody says, I see in you, it can have incredible power in your uh, life. Now, I see in you can work in a couple different ways. It can mean what I see in you uh, right now, which is, which is huge because sometimes we don't see the good. We don't see the potential that, that, that's already there in us. Or it can be uh, or it can pertain to the future, what I see you becoming. There's a great quote about this in a book called Visioneering by, uh, 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 by Pastor Andy, Andy Stanley. I love what he says. Speak to someone's potential instead of their performance. I love that because it's great to know that you've done a good job, but it can be life-changing to know that somebody believes in you and they see the potential for greatness even though you've done nothing to prove it. And that's what God does in, in the scriptures. Many, many Bible characters, God, God has an I see a new moment with them, and he speaks to their potential in powerful ways, sometimes even in spite of their performance. Now, up to this point, Abram has not lived a bad life, but he's focused on, him, on himself. Abram focused on his wealth, his security, his comfort, until he has a couple I see a new moments with God. And uh, here's the first one. It's in Genesis chapter 12, in case you want to turn on your Bible and follow along. Notice I said turn on your Bible uh, instead of open up your Bible, because many people nowadays have the Bible on their phone. It's really easy to do. You can just download the YouVersion app, and uh, you can have the Bible with you wherever you go. So you might want to turn on your Bible, or if you want to open it up, or you can just follow along on the screens here. Genesis chapter 12. Abram is now 75 years old. And the Lord said to uh, Abram, go from uh, your country, uh, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so God has this I see in you conversation with Abram because God sees Abram as someone who should focus on more than just success and wealth, and comfort. God speaks into Abram's life, and he says, Abram, I see in you someone on mission with me. I see in you someone who is going to bless the entire world. And so God blesses Abram to make him a blessing uh, to the world. But of course, Abraham, or Abram and Sarah, uh, Abram can't see it in himself because he doesn't have any children. There's no one to inherit the blessing. He thinks that his influence will die when he dies. But then God has a second I see a new moment with Abram. 24 years have passed, and God has an even bigger I see a new conversation with Abram that changes everything. Here's what God says. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. So God, uh, oh, I'm sorry, this is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And so God communicates an even bigger vision for Abram's a life. And that's why he changes his name from Abram to, to Abraham. Abram means exalted father. Abraham means father of many nations. God says, Abraham, I see in you a new future. I see in you uh, someone who will not just be the father of children. 
You'll be the father of many nations. Now, I want you to understand, when the scripture talks about nations, it means more than political entities. It's much bigger than that. It's talking about people groups, ethnicities. God says that Abraham's offspring will include all sorts of people throughout the world. And through Abraham's offspring, God is going to bless the world in a forever kind of way through Jesus. How's that for an awesome, I see a new vision for Abraham's life? But as you can probably imagine, Abraham and Sarah had difficulty seeing in themselves what God saw. And here's what I want you to understand. Just because you don't, just because you don't see it in you doesn't mean that God doesn't see it in you. Here's something I'm learning. It's really important for me to believe in God. I need to believe in God. But I also need to believe what God believes about me. Does that make sense? Some of you might be thinking, Ben, I'm not even sure that I believe in God. Okay, if you feel that way, I get that. But with all due respect, that doesn't change things for God. Even if you don't believe in God, God still believes in you. He sees you as someone with the potential to bless and change the world. Now, I want, I want, to talk, I want you to think about this aspect of Abram's story. I love this part of the story. God picks Abram, Abraham and Sarah to start this new nation to bless the world through uh, Jesus. But why do you think God chose Abraham and Sarah? I mean, they seem like an unlikely choice for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, take a look at, at Abraham's family ba- uh, background. Uh, scholars believe that his father, Terah, uh, manufactured and sold idols. And so Abraham came from a family of idol worshipers, which makes him an unlikely choice for God to use. But what seems even more unlikely is that Abraham and Sarah, they're this elderly couple. Abraham's 99. Sarah is 90. They're way past childbearing years. I mean, I cannot imagine, I cannot even imagine having a child at the age of 99. I mean, can you imagine, you know, late night feedings, sleepless nights, potty training at uh, age 99. Abraham and Sarah are probably the only couple in the grocery store with both Pampers and Depends in the uh, grocery cart at the same time. Imagine God telling the uh, angels about his, about his plan. The angels are thinking, oh, great, we're going to start a nation. That's nice. We're going to start a nation with a couple. And one of the angels, you know, says to God, God, how about this couple over here? You know, they're young. They're attractive. They play tennis every other day. They've got beautiful kids. God, how about this couple? And God says, well, you know, actually I'm thinking about this couple uh, over here, Abraham and Sarah. And the angel says, God, do you mean the couple using the walkers? And God says, yeah, the elderly couple using the walkers. And God looks at this elderly, infertile couple in their 90s. And he says, you're going to have a baby. Because I see in you a nation that will bless the entire world. Now, if you study the Bible from cover to cover, I mean, God loves to say, I see in you to the least likely people. Think about it. Abraham and Sarah are elderly. Joseph was in prison. Moses stuttered. Esther was a young orphan girl. Rahab was immoral. David committed adultery. Elijah got depressed. Jonah was disobedient. Naomi was a widow. Mary was just a young, poor, teenage girl. John the Baptist was eccentric. Peter was impulsive. Martha worried a lot. The Samaritan woman at the well had several failed marriages. 
Thomas had doubts. Paul had poor health. Timothy was timid. And the list goes on and on. God loves to use the weak and the least likely to accomplish his mission in the world. And here's why. Because it's an opportunity for God's strength to shine through our weaknesses. And that not only honors God, it attracts more people to follow him. And so for everyone here who doesn't feel qualified to be used by God, to be on mission with God, for everybody who feels like, oh, it's too late for me. I'm too old. I'm too young. I've blown too many chances. I've made too many mistakes. For everyone here who feels like I don't have the resources, I don't have the gifts, I don't have the talents, look at Abraham and Sarah and you'll see that God uses people like you and people like me. I've heard it said, God doesn't call the uh, qualified. He qualifies the called. And I know that that's hard for some of us to believe that because many of us have had I see in you moments, but they weren't from God. And, and as a result, we, we see ourselves far different than the way God sees us. Some of us have had parents or spouses or coaches or teachers who through their words, through their actions, said, I see in you a failure. I see in you someone who's stupid and is never going to make it. I see in you someone who is worthless. Sometimes the person who says a crippling, I see in you to us, is ourselves. Some of us, instead of seeing the potential and the possibility that God sees in us, we feel remorse and regret because of, because of some past decisions that, that we made. And because of that, we see ourselves far different from how God sees us. And so I want to take you to a few scriptures that can help you see what God sees in you. Because I really believe that God's here today. And no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, God wants every single person here on mission with him. And I'm not just making that up. Look at what the scripture says here. It says, uh, understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. Now think about this. The word believe is not just a generic belief. This is talking specifically about believing in Jesus. You put, your, you put your faith, you put your confidence, you put your trust in Jesus. And that makes you not just a follower of Jesus. It makes you spiritually a child of Abraham. One of those that God spoke about thousands of years ago through whom he would bless the entire world. You're part of that uh, blessing. And so do your best today to listen to not just what God might say through me, but what his spirit might say to you. Because I really believe God wants to have an I see in you moment with every uh, person uh, uh, here, just like he did with, with Abraham. I'd like you to read this next verse out loud with me on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Uh, notice this word, workmanship. Uh, I think a better translation is the word uh, masterpiece. You know, God says you're not mass produced. No, I thought you up. You're my artwork. I handcrafted you. I custom designed you. You're my masterpiece. Now, you may not feel like a masterpiece, but realize that it is God you're disagreeing with. God says, I made you and created you as my uh, masterpiece. But you're not a masterpiece like in the, in the museum to just hang there and just be admired. No, it says you're created to do good works. And the word good here is the same word that's used in Genesis chapters 1 and 2 to describe the world the way God intended it to be. God says, I created you for a mission of, of good works to reach more people and restore this world 
to the way that I always dreamed uh, that it would be. And the last part is the clincher for me, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So whoever you are, God says, I made you to be a world-changing blessing. I planned it before your birth. I've seen it in you from the beginning. And uh, God says, I've just been waiting for you uh, to see it. And then I want to show you one more verse. And this is not only a direct quote from Jesus. This is our memory verse. Each week in, in the series Life on Mission, we're going to have a memory verse. And here's the first one. It's from Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where Jesus speaks his final words to his followers before he ascends to heaven. Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, we're going to come back to that word, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, first of all, I want you to notice a couple of things. First of all, this is subtle, but I think it's really important, uh, the word you, because it doesn't translate very well from the original language into English. In the original, okay, the word you is plural, Okay. And here's what this means. Jesus is not looking at his followers and saying, all right, uh, Peter, I need you to be a witness, and I need one more. Andrew, I got you. That covers it. No, 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 no. Uh, Jesus looks at all his followers who are gathered, okay, the whole group. And he looks into the future at at, at us here today, his future followers, and uh, he says, you all, you know, like they say down south, y'all, all all right, all y'all are going to be my witnesses. This is for everyone. It's always been the goal of Jesus to get every one of his followers on mission uh, with him and to go all in. And uh, then notice this word uh, witness here. All right? I mean, think about it. Jesus doesn't say, you know, I want you to be the uh, prosecuting attorney or uh, I want you to be the judge and I want you to go out and, you know, argue uh, people into following me. No. He says, you will be my witness. What's a witness do? A witness simply tells what they've seen and what they've experienced. I saw this, and then I saw this, and then I saw this, and this is what happened. God says, you are an expert on what has happened in your life. Nobody can be a better witness of what God has done in your life than you. And that's why God wants you to share uh, your testimony and to be a witness. But I think there's also another level of meaning here, more than just tell what you've experienced. In the original language, the word uh, witness, in the original language, it's the word uh, martyrios. Now think about, that. think about that. What English word do you think comes from martyrios? I mean, you can almost hear it in the word. It's the word martyr, martyr, which has deeper meaning than just tell what you have experienced. I mean, a witness, a witness, you know, tells what they've seen and what they've experienced, but a martyr goes even further. A martyr is willing to experience some suffering, some persecution, and maybe even death on behalf of another person. And so this was an all-in moment for the followers of Jesus when he said, when he said, you will be my witnesses. You will be my martyrios. And uh, my hope is that this series that we're beginning today, it's called Life on Mission. I hope this is going to be an all-in moment for us, an all-in series for our church. And so I want to challenge you in a few specific ways uh, to go all-in during this series. First of all, uh, this is an easy one. Uh, be here. 
Okay? Be here each weekend. We're gonna, next week, we're going to start un, unpacking five steps to being a witness for, uh, for Jesus. And uh, you don't want to miss a weekend. Uh, do your best uh, to, to, to be here. And then second, uh, get a book. We actually have two books uh, available. One's the hardcover book written by uh, Tim Harlow. And uh, each week in the message is going to be based on a section out of this uh, book. It's an excellent book. I loved uh, reading it. I think you'd like it too. The second book is this paper book, uh, paperback book, which is a study guide. And if you're, if you're in a small group, uh, if you're going to be in a small group, you definitely uh, need uh, one of these, uh, one of these study guides. But there's also some additional study uh, sections and sections for journaling that I think would be helpful for anybody. So we're making these books available at our cost. Uh, this book's available for uh, $8 out at the uh, Welcome Center. You can also, if you want, you can get it on your uh, Kindle. And then we have the uh, study guides available for just 5 bucks. They're on the tables at the uh, exits to the auditorium. You can just grab one of those on your way out. Pay for it at the Red Sea or at the, at the Welcome Center. If you don't have the money, you know, don't worry about it. Just take one. Tell them, uh, put it on Ben's account and we'll take care of it. We just think these are great books. And uh, we would love uh, for you to read, read these. I think it would be really helpful uh, to you. All right, number three, join or start a small group. Because you're going to learn more. You're going to grow more in a group than on your own. In a great way, great opportunity today uh, to find a group is to go to GroupLink after the 1030 service in the Family Life Center. Or, you know what, you can start. You can start your own group. And we'll provide you all the materials and resources. You go to our website. We've got the videos available online where you can pick up a DVD at the Welcome Center. Some of you might be thinking, oh, I could never do that. You know, I could never lead a small group. But think about, think about what God thinks. You know, maybe God's looking at you and he's saying, you can do this. I see it in you. Now, you don't, have to get, you don't necessarily have to do it with people that you don't know. Maybe you've got some friends that you can do a group with. Maybe, maybe some people at work. You can say, hey, our church is doing this new study. Why don't you join me and do it? Because you need community around you. And so join a group or, or start a group. And then number four, involve your family. How about this? Before you sit down together around the table and have uh, dinner, maybe 15 minutes before that, you watch one of the videos. And then you sit down around the dinner table and you discuss it. You go through it together. Wouldn't it be great to get your family on mission with you? I mean, this could be life-changing for your family. It could be life-changing for your kids. And then number five, open yourself up to God. Because if you really engage in this study, you know what? God's going to open some doors for you. God's going to nudge you. He's going to say, that person over there, that neighbor, that person at work, that person is your mission. So be open to it because God uh, knows what he's doing and he will prepare uh, the way. Now, next weekend is going to be a great weekend around here. We've got a very special guest, uh, Tim Harlow, the author of uh, Life on Mission, is going to be here next weekend. He's an amazing leader. You don't want to miss it. Tim went to Parkview Christian Church in Orland Park, a south, south, south suburb of Chicago, in 1989 to this little church, a couple hundred people. And today, over 8,000 people gather every weekend at Parkview uh, Christian Church in three locations. They're a multi-site church in the south suburbs of uh, Chicago. Tim's going to be here uh, next weekend to speak to us. And uh, he prepared a little video uh, message for you today. So take a look at the screens. Hi, River Glen. I'm Tim Harlow from Parkview Church in Chicagoland and author of Life on Mission. 
Just want to say how grateful I am, honored I am that you guys are doing this Life on Mission project. I'm excited to be with you guys on the 23rd, 24th weekend. And Ben and Marnie have been friends for a long time. We're excited to be with you, period. Uh, I want to encourage you on this thing, okay? First of all, like, chill. It's not, it's, it, it's like, oh, life on mission. I got to be a witness. What does that mean? That's the whole point of this is we all know that, that Jesus brought us here and left us here so that we could do something with the gospel. Uh, but that freaks a lot of people out. I want to encourage you, get in a small group, get the book, get in a small group so you can go through the stuff. I did the DVD teaching on location. It's like, it's interesting. It's not Rick Warren in a flower shirt sitting at a desk. I mean, it's like there's like on location set stuff, and 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 it's interesting. Short, you can talk about it together. Get in a small group. Uh, be here for all six weeks of this. It's going to be really important uh, as we put it all together and relax because we want to help you as you go on mission. And and even if you're watching this and you're like, I'm not even sure I'm in yet. You're you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna understand the heart of Jesus and the heart of God through life on mission. I, I encourage you to. Be here and I can't wait to see you guys. Thank you. Yeah, it's gonna be a great weekend here. Don't miss it, uh, Tim Harlow. It's gonna be a, be a great weekend to bring a bring a friend with you. Now I began today talking about names, right? Everybody here has a name. What if? Think about this. What if God changed your name? You know, there's a verse. It's kind of an obscure verse in the last book of uh, the New Testament that says that one day we're gonna have a a one-on-one I see and you conversation with Jesus. And he's going to give you a new name. Not the name your parents gave you. Not the name that your friends may call you. Not the name that you would use to describe yourself. It's going to be a new name. Revelation chapter 2 says, I will give to each one a white stone. And on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the person who receives it. So what name do you think Jesus will, will give you? You know, when Jesus walked this earth, he met a guy by the name of Cephas. And he looked at Cephas and he said, you don't look like a Cephas to me. I'm going to change your name. I'm going to call you Peter because the name Peter means rock. Now, if you know anything about Peter, he was, he, there was nothing rock-like about him. But Jesus gives him that new name and he lives into that name. He grows into that name and he begins to see himself differently the way God does. And he gets on mission with God. And through Peter and people like him, Jesus begins to build the church, the greatest force in the entire universe. But imagine that, just you and Jesus. And he gives you this stone, this smooth, white, beautiful stone. And it's like a treasure. It's something that you cherish. It's like a trophy. And the only thing written on it is your new name. The name that describes the mission that Jesus sees in you. It happened in Abram's life. It happened in Peter's life. And it can happen in your life. Right now, I want to pray for us. I want to pray for God to help us to see ourselves the way that, that, that he does. Would you, would you pray with me as I close our service for today? God, would you help us to see in ourselves what you see in us? Maybe that's going to come through the voice of another person during this series. Maybe it's going to come directly from Scripture in, in the Bible. Maybe it's going to come through the promptings of your, of your spirit. Maybe it's going to come through this gathering today. But God, help us to be open to you looking us in the eye, tapping us on the shoulder and saying, I see in you someone who is meant to bless the world. Thank you, God, that you see so much more in us 
than we see in ourselves. So much more than other human beings could see in us. Thank you that you see us as a person and a people and a church who can bless the world. God, help us do that. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next week. Don't forget about RG5 by the fireplace.